Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's good to be back. We were off last Sunday for Mother's Day, but we got a great show for everybody tonight. Lee Payne from Clovenhoof, he's going to be on in, in a couple of minutes because it's getting late in the UK and we want to speak to him. And after that, Brian Tatler from Diamondhead. So maybe we'll focus on a lot of new wave of British heavy metal tonight, but we also have quite a few new tunes we have to get to on some upcoming albums that are going to be released. Uh, we'll try to do the best we can over the next two hours. So I'll tell you what, let me play, uh, let me jump into a Clovenhoof song and I will try to get Lee connected while you're listening to that. Let's do uh, Crack the Whip.
All right, I'm trying to connect Lee right now, but I seem to have a problem doing that. And this always happens, which kills me. All right, let me see if I uh, do this and we try this one more time. Let's see what happens here. Let's conference in the call. Add people to the call. Let's try this. And let's try that. I do apologize, but I never have any luck with the Skype when I have to conference some calls. Okay, that's not working either. All right, let me see what's going on here. I'm going to jump into another tune. All right, we'll do a, a quick one if I can, and I'll try to figure this out here. Something's not going through right, so I do apologize. All right, how about uh, we do, let me see, let me find a quickie while we uh, try to make this uh, phone call happen here. I do apologize. You know why Dave wanted to hear Seven Sisters. He brought this band up a little while ago. And I uh, figured I'd get it on from today. So here you go. Pure Sin. Lee, this is Mike. Can you hear me? Hello, Mike. Yeah, I can hear you real, real good. I'm doing good. I'm sorry it took me a little while. I, I can't figure this technology out. I can't even make a conference call. I don't know how I'm going to survive in the future. <laughs> Do you know what? I was going to say the same thing. Our, uh, our internet went down for the past hour, and technology is great when it works, not so good when it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm glad I have you on here now. And you know, I have to tell you, I go back with you guys to the very early 80s, and I, this is one of your strongest records ever, and it's hard to say that when all the other ones were so great before it. Thank you so much, Mark, and I, I really appreciate the kind words, mate. I really do. <laughs> right, time. Well, Who Mourns the Morning Star, a couple of years after the last record came out, this is basically a, a whole new band besides Chris who was with you guys on the last record. That, that's right. Um, Luke, Luke uh, joined us. Um, for It was kind of a, a baptism of fire for him. We were playing uh, Sweden Rock Festival, and uh, it, it's an amazing, uh, huge festival. Uh, Black Sabbath were on it, and uh, Alice Cooper and stuff, you know, like, and uh, he really uh, stepped into the big time for that one, but uh, he just took it in his, in his stride, you know, and uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic player, uh, is Luke. He got recommended to us by a guy called um, Simon Lees, and uh, he used to be the uh, one of the lead guitarists in a, in a band called Budgie, 
Um, and he kind of taught all the sort of hot uh, guitar players kind of in the area. And uh, with Sweden Rock coming up, you know, and I, I said, uh, can you recommend, you know, who's, who's the best guitarist you've ever, you've, you've ever sort of um, sort of taught to play? And uh, he didn't even bat an eyelid, you know, and he goes, there's a guy called Luke Hatton, you know, you, you want to have a word with him. And, uh, and that was it, you know, auditioned him and he was fabulous. And then, uh, then it was Sweden Rock for him. So uh, <laughs> that's how he got in the band. And um, really, I guess um, the story of the, the present band goes back to... Uh, uh, Keep It True Festival in uh, 2009. Um, we were, uh, you know, we were, we were doing this, uh, this this festival, and um, I, I was doing sort of interviews all day long, you know, with all the press stuff. And I wanted to go and uh, just check out the band who were on before us, and it was uh, an American band called Aska. And uh, I'd always had um, this vision and sound that I wanted for the band uh, from day one. And, you know, although I've, you know, I'm immensely proud of, of the albums and stuff, it was just the, the, the vocals. I was, I was just after, the, after this one certain kind of voice um, that I always wanted. It was sort of like a, a Ronnie Dio kind of um, uh, Rob Halford kind of voice, I guess. And um, I was never 100% satisfied with the vocals. So when I heard this, <laughs> this band called Aska, uh, I was blown away, you know, and uh, I went out front and uh, to hear this, how the uh, sound was uh, out, out front, you know, see if the sound was going to be okay. And I, and I saw the Asker set, and uh, I was just blown away by the by this vocalist, you know, he he, he was amazing. So so uh, then I went to, went to get uh, changed before we came on, and this guy came into the dressing room saying, uh, "Is this Clone Hoof? You know, I've been a, a big fan of theirs for years. Uh, will will you sign these albums?" And it was this amazing singer that I've just been watching. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he introduced himself, and it was George Core. And uh, and I and I said, uh, you know, I I, I, th I thought he was amazing and stuff. And uh, you know, we got talking after the show, and uh, and he said, if if you ever uh, if you ever want uh, want a, a vocalist for the band, he said, uh, I'd I'd love to work with you one day when the time's right. And uh, and I was impressed with the drummer too, uh, Danny White. So um, <laughs> a few, few years later on, you know, uh, you know, I was sort of I was still writing uh, songs really with, with with Georgie's voice in mind. And we did a festival in um, in Germany, and, we, and uh, we had trouble with some of the uh, ex-band members. So um, I asked uh, I asked George if if uh, Asker could learn a few of our songs, and then then we'll uh, we'll sort of jam together. And we did that in Germany, and, it, and it, it was fantastic, and the chemistry was amazing. So, uh, you know, we've just been waiting for that day to arrive, and uh, all our commitments, you know, everything sort of um, lined up. And so we said, uh, hey, let's do it. So, it, so, so for the, you know, over a year we've been uh, working, you know, on, on the album. I've been sending the stuff to America, and they've been sending it back. And, uh, you know, and then, then it got mixed in Germany, so... Uh, it's been it's been amazing, really, the chemistry with the band. Uh, you know, and we haven't even been in the same country. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we were real pleased how it turned out. And I think it's our best ever album, to, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I, I love every track on it. And uh, we we played a show uh, in in December in Sheffield at the the uh, O2 Academy, uh, and uh, we totally sold the show. You know, it, it was great because um, you know we only had a we only had two weeks rehearsal. And you'd, you'd have thought we've been playing together forever, you know. So uh, we're really pleased to be together at last. 
and, you know, it, it kind of shows on the record. I mean, you know, you can make a lot happen on an album that you can't do live. But it, it sounds like it's such a cohesive unit on the record. And I know you were saying, like, you just told the whole story about how you wanted to work with them, and he wanted to work with you, and then years later, it actually wound up happening. Yeah, it was almost like it was fated in the stars, you know. Yeah. Imagine you, you, get, you get, like, the perfect singer... And he's a fan of the band as well. You just couldn't write this stuff, you know. And uh, and he he was he was absolutely blown away by um, you know by by singing in Clavenhoof and uh, and that was the voice I was after all my life, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I mean, the first one we did actually was Star Rider, um, which is the opening track. And uh, you know, I, I sent sent the song over. And I said, uh, you know, I, I think you'll like this one. And uh, when he when he sent the vocal back and everything, oh, it was it was amazing because what George does, George doesn't just sing, George actually acts out the lyrics and he lives them. And when he sings, you know, you, you're getting that integrity, like like he's really going through it. And he does it better than any vocalist I've ever worked with, you know. And George doesn't need any coaching, <laughs> you know. You'll give you'll give George the melody. And he'll take it on board, and he'll take it to a new level. So uh, it's an it's an absolute joy to work with him. It really is. I'm I'm glad for that. And I know you said you were actually writing after I guess after the Resist the Surf record, you were writing, and you had George in mind, like vocally for what you were writing. But was That's Joe right, you know. was Joe still in the band at that time? Yeah, Joe, Joe was there. <laughs> Joe was there at the time, and I was and these songs, which you know, quite a few of them from Morning Star, I was shelving them. And Joe, and Joe was hearing some of these songs going like Spartan and stuff, going like, well, why isn't, why isn't that on the album? I'm, um, uh, I don't think it fits cohesively yet. You know, it's because yeah. I was shelving it away, ready, ready to work with, uh, with George, you know. But, but Joe, Joe is, 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 a, is a wonderful guy. He's, ve- he's so talented. I mean, he was, he's just the most amazing lead guitarist. And it was only um, kind of... Um, uh, sort of circumstances, you know, that he actually put himself forward to 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 be the vocalist, you know, because he w- he wasn't in the band originally to be singer. He, he was um, as lead guitar, you know, and um, so 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 when he joined, I mean, uh, George George wasn't free with his commitments at that particular time because I think George would have been <laughs> been in the been in the band, you know, just before then. But uh, you know how these things are. You get commitments. You got to play these shows and stuff. And um, you know, we were very sort of mindful to to honour each other's, you know, commitments and stuff. So we said, when the time's right, we'll get together. But uh, <laughs> there was a lot of songs going on during the uh, Resist or Surf things, which, which, I, which I put aside for uh, when, when I work with George. So, yeah, uh, yeah you know, like, I mean, it, it's just a, a stockpile, you know. And, and, and when, when, I, when, when I write anyway, I actually write for the singer, you know, to, to play to their strengths, you know. And because uh, you get, like, people's, you know, different voices and you know how they'll, they'll deliver it. Well, I, I try and make the songs fit their singer like a glove. But the, <laughs> the truth is, with George, you can give him anything and it sounds great, to be quite honest. Yeah. Is that an issue that you've had, say, throughout the career of Clovenhoff where you felt you kind of had to write down or write differently than you really wanted to to accommodate who was singing with the band during that period? Yeah, that is that is that is it exactly, you know, and and it's like you know so, some songs, you know, the the singer 
you know, it can't quite carry it off. And you think, oh, I really like that song. We should have put this one out. But, uh, you know, he's he's just not nailing it properly. So so in the end, you kind of compromise in a, in a way, really, for what what some of the vocal vocalists can, like, deliver. And in the past, um, uh, certainly not, not with Matt Morton, because on either son, he, he's a, he, he was a tremendous singer. And, um, you know, you didn't have to uh, to, to coach you know, sort of Matt, Matt, Matt so much. But with George, you don't coach George at all. You know, he, yeah. he's just a natural and it just, it, you know, the way I hear it, it just comes out, you know. And, uh, you know, he always seems to um, just raise the bar, you know, take you one step further. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, oh, I mean, you're talking the band goes back to the late '70s. You've had a lot of singers coming out of the band over the last <laughs> yeah. three, four decades. I mean, do you think that kind of changed the sound of the band over the years? Even though you've been the main song. Yeah, type? I think so. Yeah, it definitely does. And I, and I feel each album as well has got its own sort of um, identity because, like with like with Clavenhoof, you know, like. Um, in a way, I mean, I still do it now. Uh, I sort of write as, as, as a fan in that style uh, because, you know, I'm just trying to explore the full bandwidth of, like, what we can do because we've, we've got, like, epic songs and, and fast songs and uh, crowd participation numbers and stuff, but it's always in a certain kind of a framework, which is our sort of style, really. And, uh, and I think... Um, because there wasn't anybody completely playing in, in our sort of style, uh, later on it became um, power metal. I mean, they're using that yeah. term now. I mean, a lot of bands in Europe, you know, are called like power metal bands. But we were playing in that style, you know, right away. I mean, we didn't know it. <laughs> we True. probably invented a little genre for ourselves. <laughs> um, we played fast because, you know, we were young and uh, full of, like, adrenaline. <laughs> so we were nervous in the studio. So we played fast. We had a lot of sort of time changes and stuff because, uh, you know, they were always, you know, the guitarist and drummer and everything, they were really good players. So you had to, to write sort of um, quite a few changes and stuff and make it musically interesting for them. Uh, and, and obviously with the subject matter, because I've always been fascinated with uh, sort of mythology and, and comic books and, and, and horror kind of uh, subject matter, it just seemed to land, land, you know, sort of lend itself perfectly to uh, those kind of songs. So, um, so, so in the end, you know, like we, we didn't know it, we were actually sort of pioneering a sort of um, power metal, which, which is what, you know, it, it, it didn't even have a name then, really, did it? I mean, uh, I always saw us as like a new wave of British heavy metal band, um, and we fitted in that genre perfectly well. But we weren't, <laughs> we weren't like most of the other bands, you know, because um, the songs were kind of more sort of complex. And um, somebody said we were like a, a thinking man's metal band, which is quite nice, you know. I think it's because I was um, influenced uh, uh, by sort of Rush and, and bands like that too, you know. And uh, the twin guitars came from sort of li listening to Lizzie and stuff, and we were aggressive. Uh, probably like Priest or Sabbath, you know. So uh, we just kind of evolved, and um, I, I don't think any any album sounds exactly the same, because sure. um, I, I don't like I don't like uh, safe albums. You know, I like to keep on, you know, getting you know sort of forging on a, and, and looking ahead, you know. And uh, but um, the, the way the way Morning Star is, that's what I always wanted to sound like in the first place. I mean, that to me is what the sound I had in my head and the vision when I started off. So, uh, you know, I mean, I could get knocked down by a truck tomorrow, because <laughs> yeah. at least I left behind, you know, the, 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 did justice to the to the true uh, vision I had in the first place, really. Yeah, well, it only took you like 30-something years, so it wasn't that bad. It came around. 
<laughs> oh, the f- hello? Yeah, can you hear me, Lee? Yeah, the, the phone the suddenly went off, then. Okay, <laughs> Sorry yeah, about I, that. I said it only took you about 35 years to come up with Yeah, that's it. You know, after, <laughs> <laughs> just 35 years later, yeah, I, I nailed it. So we were just practicing before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like you were saying about being a power metal band, every band from Britain, and like by the mid-'80s, got lumped into the new wave of British heavy metal, no matter who they were. I mean, Weapon, a great hard rock band, they were... They were anyway, everybody got lumped into that category no matter what they were doing. And That's right, you know, it's pigeon you know, because I think for the first time ever, um, the British press actually got behind sort of sort of uh, hard rock bands because before then, I mean, you know, it's it's metal against the world, isn't it? You know, everybody yeah. hates heavy metal, and uh, and we kind of, you know, it's like a united brotherhood. It's it's us against them, isn't it? Basically, <laughs> that's how yeah. I've always felt, and uh, it's almost like a. Uh, before then, it was like a secret society. Look, we knew something fantastic. You know, like, we, we, we've been to bands like Sabbath and, and Rainbow and Purple and Led Zeppelin and stuff, and, and it was like a secret society. You know, we know something great, and, uh, and you stupid lot can go and follow whatever rubbish you like, you know, but, but we support something, <laughs> so, something amazing. And, uh, but, but when um, back in the, um, back in, what was it, 76? Like onwards, you know, it was it was like an answer to you know all the punk and new wave. So it was new wave of British heavy metal that actually got behind the uh, the movement, and uh, and it spawned a load of great bands. But but the thing is, you know, ev- as you say, you know, quite rightly, ev- everybody just gets lumped into the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. You know, I remember back in the early 80s, I was a, I used to t- trade tapes, have pen pals. That's why people wrote letters to each other, and you sent tapes in the mail. It took weeks to get there, and, and getting a copy of one of your demos from 82 and being such a fan. And it wasn't until the first, you know, the Clover of Record came out that we actually could get here, because the open ritual, we couldn't get here. I remember seeing oh, that right. album with, you, with the flames coming out of your head. I'm like, look at these guys. They're named Air, Earth, Fire. And it was like, you know, it was like such a great thing back then. To have that oh, brilliant. Thing, you know? <laughs> And it, was like, and it blew me away. Oh, thank you so much. It, it, it was a, it was a, it was really happy days. You know, it was a really, it was a really good band, and and we we were, you know, we were all like we used to see each other sort of, um, you know, all the time really. So we were great friends too, and they were great guys. I mean, you know, what, what happens in the end? You know, it's like. Um, you know, people's agendas change, and what happened was, you know, it's kind of the girlfriends kind of thing. They didn't really like us, you know, going playing all these uh, gigs and stuff, and you meet these girls and stuff, and they got jealous. And the fact is, it just depends how much you wanted it. I mean, from the from the you know first minute I heard like Highway Star by Deep Purple, you know, that was it. You know, like I wanted to I wanted to do that. You know? yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I never I never changed. I stayed exactly the same and I love metal today just as much as I did then, probably even more so. And um, you know, I never <laughs> I just I just kept going, you know, because you know, when when you when you believe in something, you know, enough then um, you know you, you'll 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 fight for it always, and uh, that and and I'm kind of married to Clavin Hoof, aren't I? It's 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 kind yeah. of the soundtrack of my life, so uh, you know I'll 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 play it forever, you know. I'm glad. Well, you know, going back to those early days, like I said, the first Clavin Hoof record comes out in '84. 
to me, a landmark album. You know, it kind of set the tone for the band. And that was like just right when metal was really starting to take off in 84. And it was two years later that the live album comes out, Fighting Back. And I, I guess like, you kind of knew that the writing was on the wall, that that lineup was coming to an end because you didn't follow up with a studio record until Dominated. And by then, it was a whole new lineup. Yeah, that's it, it's a, that was a, that was a situ that was the the main situation because you kind of you before you you, you kind of um, you're all singing from the same hymn sheet you all want the same thing and you know we're all completely dedicated to the cause but what happens but what happens later on you know like as I said it's it's the it was the girl the girlfriends and stuff wanting to settle down and get married and stuff and going you know I don't want you going all over Europe and stuff and. And that was it. And um, the, the writing, as you say, was on the wall then. Um, so, so what, what happens then? What, what do you do? Do you, you know, you're still writing this music, and you think, um, you know, all the fans are telling you how much they, they love the band and they want a new album and stuff. So, uh, you know, I just, I just carried on, just, uh, you know, last man standing kind of thing. And, uh, and then, then I, then I sort of recruited the, uh, the next lineup, and, uh, and it was, uh, it was, it was great, you know. Uh, um, I really enjoyed doing Dominator and um, Sultan's Ransom, and, uh, you know, and then, and there were, uh, there's a lot of stage favourites from those albums. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't long after the Sultan's Ransom, maybe a year or so, that you kind of put the whole thing to bed. Was it difficult leaving that behind, or was it kind of? Yeah, a it was. It was really tough because um, what happened was, um, it goes right the way back to. Uh, the uh, first album, really, I guess. And what happened was the um, the only Ritual EP, um, we we got to number eighteen in the metal charts. So uh, then then the big record label CBS came in. They wanted to sign the band. Uh, they had the master tapes for the Army Ritual, and we had uh, Judas Priest's uh, first manager, David Hemmings. He managed uh, Priest and, uh, and Pat Travis, who was a brilliant uh, brilliant Canadian guitarist, um, and. Um, he, he, we went under his wing, and while he was negotiating the deal, he died. Oh. <laughs> so it's just how can you, you know, you just can't legislate for that. It was it was such a tragic loss, and uh, and he kind of left us with loads of different people um, claiming they owned a piece of the band. So all that uh, all that uh, legal legal problems just kept persisting. Like every time we were in the in the magazines or posters or anything, these people would come out the woodwork and say they own a piece of the band and stuff. And there were people that uh, David Emmons did, uh, you know, sort of 5% sort of deals with, you know, like, and um, in the end, he just got too much. And I'm thinking, well, Leon, all we can do is we're going to have to just stick the contract out. And uh, which meant we couldn't we couldn't play for nine years. I mean, we'd have, we'd have got I'd have got sued for playing in a car park, basically. Like, um, so, so yeah. we have to sit it out. So so in the end, they forgot to renew the contract. Then we were out, and and that's when I um I, I got the um uh got the got the band back together and did um uh, all the demos for Eye of the Sun, and then we played um a big festival in Germany called Keep It True. Uh, but unfortunately, like some of the ex-band members, you know, you know, they they really didn't uh, stay on top of their game. So then we had to change the lineup again. <laughs> but um, you know, th that's the thing with the lineup. I mean, you know, we've been going over 30 years. I don't think anybody r usually stays with the same thing, do they? Even in in, in the nine-to-five job, you know, how many people actually are with a firm for 30 years? I mean, <laughs> I probably deserve my silver watch because <laughs> 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 I never went anywhere. But, um, but yeah, I mean, over that sort of period, you know, musicians are bound to sort of come and go. 
But um, you know, hey, at least I at least I got it right at the end. <laughs> well, you had it right all along. But like you said, over thirty something years, things change. And Russ North was in and out of the band quite a few times. I mean, he put out some great records, but it seemed like there was always something that just wasn't right with the band. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with 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 Russ, you know, back back in um, back in sort of um, you know the the late eighties, eighty seven. You know, he lived and breathed metal. And he was really, he's really dedicated, and uh, you know we were best friends, and and it was great. But 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 what happened when we had that uh, that riding those contracts out? Um, he kind of he kind of changed. He went to Spain. He was singing more sort of mainstream kind of music, and then when he came back to Clovenhoof, it just wasn't the same. And you know he, he really had a lot of personal problems in the end, and uh, he kind of imploded. Um, because um, he, he, he kind of, well, there's no other way of putting it, you know, like he, he, he kind of went to, he thought alcohol will put everything right, and it never does. Yeah. And in the end, he just liked drinking more than he liked being in a band. So that was a problem. He was always in and out of the band because of his issues. So uh, so in the end, um, you know, he, 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 he just wasn't doing himself justice, so we, we kind of had to let him go. Um, but, uh, I mean, Russ was, Russ was a great singer, and, and everybody's got to remember him for Dominator and Sultan's Ransom because, you know, like, he, 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 he was on top form in those days, and, um, you know, it's, it's just a tragedy, really. He couldn't, uh, you know, keep, keep it up and stay, stay dedicated, really, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, but there you go. I mean, his top range was absolutely, you know, phenomenal, really. Um, but, uh, you know, he needed quite a lot of coaching, really, Rusty, but... Um, at the end of the day, I'm I'm really proud of uh, like what we did together. Oh, yeah. like I said, every album is a great album, and each album is different than the one before it. So kind of they all kind of have a life of their own, but yet the Clovenhoof records. But you know, Lee, over the years when there was a lineup change taking place or about to happen or you were about to make a change, did you ever think about trying to reunite those classic four elements or three elements with you, getting David Potter or Steve Rounds? Or yeah, Kevin you know what? I, I asked a few times. I, I, the, um, in, in fact, in fact, Kevin the Kevin the drummer got in got in contact the other day. I want to, uh, you know, so so we'll probably have a meet meet up and talk old times. But uh, but with Dave, but with Dave, yeah, I mean, a, a, a few occasions. Um, uh, usually, you know, when when Russ was kind of leaving, kind of thing, and uh, I put it to Dave, you know, do you fancy giving another go? But with the best will in the world, he did it. But you know, he he said, I just my my voice, you know, uh, it's just not not what it was because it, it, because you know you have to keep using it, don't you? You use it, you use it, or you lose it because it, it's yeah. physical, isn't it? It's like an athlete. You know, you can't expect to, you know, get a, get Olympic form again if if you've had such a big layoff. And uh, so I, I have to respect what uh, you know Dave's decision in the end. But uh, it would have been a lot of fun because uh, you know that that first that first lineup. You know, we we were great friends, and um, you know, it's it's just a shame. You know, you can't recreate that at least once. But uh, it's not it's not it's not going to happen. I don't think. Yeah. I get this. Thirty-something years of being out of like technically the business, especially on a vocalist, uh, yeah. it's a lot harder. So I completely get that. But I, I do remember last year hearing about you know George Clooney. I'm a big Asker fan, and I love George's singing. Hearing about that, I was like, I don't know, man. One of my favorite British bands is sort of coming Americanized, and I didn't <laughs> like the way it was sounding. I'm going to hear. Then I caught some of the the videotapes of that show, and I was like, wow. I mean, people hear it, but until they actually hear it live. 
they don't, they won't get it. You, you know, no, oh, yeah. I was like, I was wrong. I mean, this works. You know, and, and oh, I'll, I'll tell you what, we were in the rehearsal room. You know, like, you know, you can be with a band, you can be like six months, and it's not gonna, re- you know, it's not doesn't gel like right away anyway. You know, like it's just you know, like the way you cl- you click together the chemistry. I'll tell you what. It was the first day, after the first day's rehearsal, we could have played a show. <laughs> That's the, it was just bang on. And we all locked in, and, and uh, you know, me and Danny the drummer, you know, it's like um, it, we only played together for, for three numbers uh, prior to that, you know, in Germany. And it was like a machine. We just locked into this groove. And, and we were all amazed at the end of it. You know, we just sat there in the rehearsal room going, oh, my God, look at that. You know, like we, it, it, it just far surpassed our expectations, you know, how quickly it just gelled. And I, th- I think it's because it's for the right reasons. Like like, like, like with George and Danny, they're, they're fans of the band, so they really feel it. And, and we, we, all, we all really feel, feel the music. So, uh, you know, when you, lo- when you love something, you're going you're gonna to do it well, aren't you? You know, so... Uh, but, uh, I mean, in Sheffield, uh, you know, everybody said we, we stole the show. You know, ev- the audience were amazing. And it was like a cup, like some sort of cup final atmosphere. The audience went crazy, and we, we just fed off them. And I, I'm just, like, thinking, people just don't know what they're going to get because, you know, they, it, you see us live, and it's like it's something else. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a really great live band. And, um, you know, and now we, it's taken us a long time to get here, so we're going to make the most of it. Yeah, and you know what I love about the record? There's some, like, real epic songs on there, like Go Tell the Spartans, you know, Morningstar, or Bannockburn, like, seven-minute songs. I mean, I love it when you can flesh out a song and really, you know, take it to the limit. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's kind of hard, in, you know, for, for three minutes, you know, like, well, anyone, you know, anyone, you know, it just needs to be really kind of snappy for that, you know, to get the audience going. But but to sustain it and taking taking it through a proper story with a beginning, middle and end and stuff, that that's that's harder still, isn't it, really? And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I was really pleased with Bannockburn because um, I, I wrote it for these um, fans from Scotland who... Uh, there was this real, really remote gig, and the weather was terrible and everything. And they they, they hired this minibus to come and see us. These uh, there's about like there's only about like thirty of them. And uh, so when they turned up at at, uh, at, the, at the venue, you know, they said we you know we spent all this time to to come and see you and stuff. And they they were just outstanding. They went absolutely crazy, and they sounded like like three hundred, you know, those guys. And uh, I never forgot it, you know. So I, I, I said, one day I'll, I'll write a song. I'll write a song for you guys. And they said, well, what about what about Robert the Bruce? You know, why don't Because you? you're really good at war songs. And I went, I'll tell you what, you're on. <laughs> you know, like I'll definitely do it. So, so I've, <laughs> I had Bannockburn, you know, for a long time, really. You know, the, the, the song as, as a, we, it could have been on Resist or Serve, that, but but I knew that's the one for George because George is really going to sell that 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 baby. And um, and when it came out, um, I, I had those guys from from Scotland just going, you know, it's been worth the wait. You know, thank you so much for doing that show. But um, you know, it, it it just means so much because the fans are everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what obstacles you you come against. You know, you can change lineups and stuff. It's the fans that keep you going because uh, you know. Well, I do it for them. You know, it's true. It's I mean, you know, every album and every year, you always pick up a couple of new fans here and there. That's just the way life goes. But does it amaze you, like, how many fans are still with you from the very beginning of every early oh, days? Oh my God, it's, it's incredible. I- 
Oh, it really is. I mean, the, the thing is, it, it, you know, like when when you start out as a band, you know, like you have a few few expectations. I mean, I, di- I didn't have many because you know you you just, you just don't know what life's got in in fear, really. But uh, my first first one was I really want to have a record out in the shops, you know, and you get that, and then you want to be on radio, then you want to play in, in uh, Europe. You know, the last the last big one for me was <laughs> America. You know, all my life I've loved America and I, I wanted to play. So uh, we're going to have to come over, aren't we? <laughs> we're going to have to do that. I'm hoping now, at least with, with the, you know, with Danny and George here, you know, it might be a little bit easier for them to hook things up to get you here. Cause I tell yeah, you, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, half, you know, it's Anglo-American. It's a bit like Sabbath were when they had Dio, you know, half us American, or, you know, half, half British. And uh, so it, it gives us a, gives us a really good sort of foothold in uh, both continents, isn't it, really? You know, like, obviously, uh, George and Daniel saw, saw some of those shows out, you know, and I, and I saw the ones in Europe. So, uh, so hey, we'll get to cover the world more than ever now. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Hey, Lee, I'm not going to keep it. I know it's getting late over there, uh, but I can't tell you. Who mourns the Morning Star? I, I hate to say it's your best record, even though it is, because everyone is one of your best records to me as a fan. Out on High Roller. What an amazing job you did, man. I, I absolutely love the record, man. I can't oh, wait for the next so, one. It really, I, I really appreciate it, my friend. And, you know, when, when I come over, we're going to have to uh, have a beer. Oh, we definitely will have way more than one. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be on me as well. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Lee, take care of yourself. It was great to Mike, an you. absolute pleasure and uh, and and best wishes to, to, to everybody on the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Thank you, Lee. Have a great night. We'll talk soon. Take care. Fantastic. Clovenhoff salute you. You got it. Good night. Uh, Lee Payne from Clovenhoff, what a great guy and one of my all-time favorite bands out of the area. Uh, we're going to get back to that Seven uh, Sisters tune for Dave a little later on, but you know what? We got to jump into something brand new off the Clovenhoff record. I talk to the dead.
right, there you go. Seven Sisters. Dave brought that band back to my attention uh, last week. I told him I would get it on. I apologize. We cut the song off halfway. But when I can get a connection with, with Skype on, on, a, on a mobile, I got to let the music uh, kind of fall by the wayside there. But it was great talk with Lee Payne. Oh, before I get off track, Seven Sisters, uh, Pure Sin. Great band. A, a young group of guys. I think the band's been around about four years. Uh, the self-titled record came out last year on High Roller Records. High Roller puts out a lot of great albums, but for some reason, they I never get their promos. I don't know why. I only get a few here and there. That's why we don't play too many album, uh, too many of the bands on the label, uh, because certain PR people represent artists on the bill, you know, on on the label. I get stuff that way, but otherwise, they never send me anything, which I don't know why. But great album, check it out. Really got that classic new wave of British heavy metal sound down. And I absolutely love these guys. And uh, I'm going to try to reach out to them and maybe get them on the show. We're kind of booked up until July, believe it or not, right now. But uh, we could always squeeze on another guest here or there. All right, we got Brian Tatler from Diamond Head. Eh, about 20 minutes or so, we'll get the interview on. We're going to play some more music between now and then. Uh, let's see what's going on in the world. Uh, we didn't do a show last week, so I kind of let all the news get by me of what was happening. But Rainbow, uh, Richie Blackmore, so he was going to go out and, and do like Rainbow and... and and Deep Purple stuff, and it's supposed to just really be like, more like a solo thing of him, and all of a sudden it morphed into the new Rainbow, uh, which did not make Joe Lynn Turner happy, and we've had Joe on the show quite a few times, and matter of fact, we had him on right after the original announcement was made that Richie Blackmore was putting the Rainbow name back together, I guess the promoters probably talked him into doing it, seeing they could make more money out of it that way, but uh, Joe was not happy when we had him on the show talking about it. You know, and he's out there right now doing his Rainbow show, you know, doing all the Rainbow songs uh, from his era of the band. Now it was just announced that Richie Blackmore is putting out new music as Rainbow. Uh, same lineup. I think the singer they had, uh, I forget his name, Romero, he was really good. If you listen to the live clips, he was actually the better part of the entire show. The band sounded kind of flat and like they really weren't into it. You know, listen, Richie Blackmore's Richie Blackmore. You can't say nothing about the guy as far as a guitar player goes. But he's in his 70s, you know, and he still sounded great up there. Not a matter of sound, but I'm talking energy-wise. The whole band seemed to be lacking energy outside of the singer during that show. Uh, but there, I saw clips of the first one. I'm sure if they did more, it would be better. But they're putting out brand new music right now. I believe there's a single coming out called Land of Hope and Glory and the back in it with the reworked version or redone version of I Surrender. So I'm curious to see what that sounds like and uh, if they're going to maybe turn this into a full-length record with more songs and maybe go out and tour, you know, uh, extensively under this lineup. I have to be honest with you, I, I, I've seen the Joe Lynn Turner lineup of Rainbow, you know, the original uh, Joe Lynn Turner lineup of Rainbow, and I, and I loved them. I never got to see the lineup before that because I was a little too young to go to shows back then when uh, Dio was fronting the band and even Graham Bonner for that matter. Uh, but like, Joe got all twisted like because he wanted it to be like, you know, the Rainbow Reunion, but if there was any Rainbow Reunion I'd want to see, it would be the one with Ronnie James Dio if he was still alive. That would be the Rainbow one I would pay to go see if it reunited. Honestly, I wouldn't go to see a, a Grand Bonnet era, a Joe Lanterna era, or a Doogie White era, which really wasn't much of a Rainbow thing. It was just that one album, which was supposed to be a Richie Solo record. Once again, I slapped the Rainbow name on it for marketing purposes and to make more money out of it, but... The Dio era one is the one I would want to go see. And there were so many versions of Rainbow. I mean, yeah, the Joel and Turner one was commercially the most popular. But, you know, you're talking the mid-'80s, early mid-'80s, when rock and heavy metal was just exploding. And, you know, that could have happened if Graham Bonnet was singing or if Dio was singing in that era for Rainbow. It was just the time and place that it happened. Uh, so, you know, you got to kind of put sour grace behind you and whatever it is it is. 
But uh, I definitely would go see that Richie Blackmore version of Rainbow going around right now just to see Richie play live rock and not that, you know, uh, medieval shit that he does <laughs> on his side. Uh, you know, these guys are getting old and they're not going to be around forever. We keep saying we'll wait. You know, I, when Motorhead was in New York the last time around before Lemmy passed away, you know, Tom and I were saying, you know, we'll go, we'll go. But it was way out in one gallon, like, nah, the hell with it. Maybe we'll catch the next one. Then he started getting sick and he was dead a year later. We'll never see Lemmy play live again. We'll never see Rainbow. So when things like that come around, you should go see them because it might be the last time of some of these artists getting up there in age that you can't see them live. All right, talking about getting up there in age, Joe Hasselvanda from Raven. Uh, he's got some medical problems right now. So, you know, our prayers and go out to Joe, who's a really good friend of mine in the show. Uh, Raven is out on tour. They've recruited like two or three different drummers to fill in for Joe. I think at different areas and eras of the tour. So uh, Raven, great band live. No matter who's playing drums with them, they're still going to put on a great show. So if they have tickets, don't be disappointed. Uh, it's still going to be a great show with the Gallagher brothers up there. All right, let's jump into some music. Brand new Ice Earth getting ready to break. I believe we'll have John Schaefer on the show, uh, not next month, but uh, I believe sometime in July when he's getting ready to do press for the record. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go through the entire record. I just did a little sample of songs here and there. Let's get on Great Heathen Army, and we'll kind of go through it together for the first time. Brand new Ice Earth.
All right, Jaguar with War Machine. All right, let's jump into some Diamond Head. We'll go old school first before we get into the new record. And after this song, we'll have the interview with Brian Tatler. So uh, stick around. The Prince.
it doesn't get any better than that. All right, Brian Tatler of Diamond Head. Brian, this is Mike. How are you? I'm all right, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad I got through all right. Uh, you sure did. Hey, look, I'm happy that the band, it seems like America's become your second home. This is like the second time you've been here in the last few months. That's right, yeah. We came twice last year, and uh, we're coming twice this year. So that's uh, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> great. Uh, absolutely. We it's great to see the band. Yeah, we came over to do a cruise uh, in February called 70,000 Tons of Metal. And we came over to Florida and left and went around the Caribbean. That was absolutely awesome. <laughs> and then we came back again in uh, um, November and uh, played for five weeks into December. And uh, again, that's, that's the biggest U.S. tour we've ever done in our you know, 40-year career. <laughs> God, when you say 40 years, I remember being there in the very beginning, and it doesn't feel that long ago, but now I really feel old. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know. It's, it's, Who would have thought the band would be going that long? Not me. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, but I'm glad that you won. Not only that, but you're still putting out new music. The album last year, the self-titled Diamond Head record, probably one of the band's best records in a very long time. And I'm saying the other ones weren't yes. good. But this album just seemed to take the band in a whole different direction than the previous albums before it. Yes, I, I do agree. I, I I thought it was uh, better than the last couple of albums when we were making it. Uh, and then once it got released and, and we sent out some press copies and we got the feedback from the press and everybody seemed to say pretty much what you just said, you know, and it talks back to the, the heyday, the classic albums like Lighting to the Nations of Borrowed Time, that uh, we must have just got something right. You know, I mean, I've got to give credit to our new singer, Rasmus. I think he has been a big part of the the energy that uh, makes the album uh, so strong. Absolutely. You know, it seems like he wants to pay tribute to the past versions of Diamond Head, but yet moving on into a new direction. And he managed to combine the both with your songwriting, which has yeah. always been the strongest part of the band. Yes, you, you're right. I mean, it is a careful balance uh, to, to, you know, uh, to, to, to get the best out of what Diamond Head used to be like, uh, but, but keep it modern without it just, you know, without it sounding old or dated. Uh, you know, it would be easy to sound modern, but, uh, uh, but he was deliberately trying to, you know, encourage the, the best parts of, of the older uh, style Diamond Head like things like first few albums uh, and and we just uh, we just used to say it, it, you know it, it should sound like Diamond Head and we were kind of we kind of filtered out uh, any songs that that were probably you know not not Diamond Head or didn't sound you know there is style the style I write and uh, uh, we would try to just pick up on that really and and um, make the most of, of what's good about Diamond Head. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you go back to the early mm -hmm. days of the band. I mean, you know, the sound of Diamond Head was your guitar tone and Sean Harris's vocals combined together. And that worked for a long yeah. time. And then there was the reunion in the 90s. And, and then Nick Talk comes into the band for probably over a decade, Nick was with you guys. That was yeah, a different sound right. of the band. Wasn't it, 
was it intentional to sound a little different than the early days, or was just that just where the band was at at that time? Yeah, I think it was probably just where we were. I always think you've got to make your singer comfortable. He's got to sing on the thing. So, uh, you know, occasionally with Nick, you, you, you'd, you'd put forward an idea and uh, he wouldn't be able to get comfortable with it or yeah, wouldn't be able to come up with a melody and things like that. So just leave some material alone and you'd... You maybe revisit it later, you know, a, year, a couple of years later. So I've had bits of material for, you know, maybe maybe even 10 years. I've had ideas knocking around and uh, waiting for the right moment. But I, I think with Raz coming in, I mean, he, he said to me, I can sing on anything, <laughs> which I thought, wow, that's quite a claim, that is. <laughs> so, but, but he kind of lived up to it because I could fire anything at him, any kind of, weird complicated riff and uh he didn't you know he didn't say oh no i can't that's no good i can't you know he would he would sit and work on it and come back and we'd have an idea and and he usually he would come up with a vocal and uh so it, it, it was great it's great i mean it was a really good writing partner for me and uh we work very well together. We agree on a lot of things. Uh, he's got a fantastic range. And uh, so I think it's probably, it's almost like the classic Diamond Head, but we're trying to probably bring it bring it forward a little with, with you know, a little bit more modern sounds. There's different recording techniques now available. Uh, but there are certain things that we didn't do uh, deliberately, if you like, to... Uh, to avoid, you know, sounding too modern, because uh, we just wanted to, in a way, celebrate what's what's good about Diamond Head from the from the, the style. Yeah, is that a concern of yours as a musician and as a songwriter? Is not to move too far ahead of the original Diamond Head sound or go too modern, or did you just feel like with this record and with Raz being the new singer in the band, you kind of wanted to play safe and stay with the old sound, or are you willing to experiment in the future? Um, I think this, you know, when I listen to a lot of the modern metal bands, I think, you know, they do it so well. And uh, I don't think Diamond Head should compete or should try and compete with some of these bands because, you know, they're using, everybody seems to be using drop tuning and the vocals are more aggressive. There's double kicks all over it. Uh, and I just that to me is not Diamond Head. So if we went down that route, not only would it not sound like Diamond Head, but we would start sounding like all these other bands. So I kind of figure, okay, Diamond Head has a style, it has a sound. There's certain chords I write, certain uh, progressions, certain riffs that I like. So if, as long as I stick to that and, and it becomes in that frame, then it should sound like Diamond Head. And as long as we do a good job of it, quality. I mean, everybody in the band is, is you know, excellent musicians. So why not use what we've got, which is great players, to, to make an album which sounds like, you know, Diamond Head, really. Just, it's sort of obvious, but we hadn't been doing that for a, a long time. And, uh, I mean, I had no idea everybody was going to, like the album, I, I, it just seemed to feel right to us, you know. They always say you've got to kind of please yourself, haven't they? Uh, don't they? You know, True. not second guess what you think people will want. So, yeah, my taste. I mean, I'm probably still 
quite a 70s kind of guy, you know. Most of my favorite bands are from the 70s. So I, I kind of, you know, was happy as we were writing it and recording it. And I just hoped people would like it. And it turns out they did. Oh, they do. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then it kind of helps that you've you've had a pretty consistent lineup for the most part with the band for a lot of years now, and you could kind of hear the band gelling together. And it sounds good. Does it help yes. that you have a consistent lineup too? Yes, it does. And of course, we we do quite a few gigs, so that always helps tighten the band. Uh, you know, you've got each other's back, haven't you? It's not like you're bringing in, you know, session guys or. or people you haven't played with before. Everybody knows uh, each other's strengths and weaknesses, probably. And um, uh, it, it was just a case of, of capturing as best we could, um, you know, in the rehearsal room, in the, in the studio, just record some of the energy, really. Rather than it on perfection or layering, we just thought, let's capture some energy and... And, and you know, make it, make it, bring it on fire if possible. Yeah, you know, Brian. So many bands that have been around for as long as you guys have, or maybe a little less, they've reunited over the years, and they're not interested yeah. in all in writing new music. They just want to go off the hits from you know the '80s or the '70s. Is it important yeah. as a musician to keep writing new music? Uh, well, I, I still like it. Uh, I mean, for a while, you know, we we hadn't had a new album, and yeah, we would just. Uh, playing hits, if you like. Uh, but, you know, at the back of my mind, I kept thinking about certain ideas. And I knew I'd got a team that was good. Uh, but it, it kind of took the new singer, Raz, to join. He joined in 2014 uh, to bring it out of me and to uh, actually get in a rehearsal room and, and, and uh, make a on on a new album. Uh, I think that was a big catalyst, having a new... Because, of course, our last singer emigrated to Brisbane, and it became impossible to ride together, you know. So when Nick would come over, we would just uh, tour. Uh, we we didn't go into rehearsal to, to write, or that kind of went out the window. So it was just, it was just nice having uh, that opportunity presented itself because you know Braz lives in London so all we've got to do now is is get together in the UK you can come up on the train and things like that or I'll go down there so it, it's 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 easier than when your singer lives 13,000 miles away I'm sure but that that's a common thing with bands today I mean some bands have members that live each member lives in a different country and they somehow it's you know ridiculous. make it work <laughs> I, I don't yeah I mean to me, a band should be together as often as possible to work out songs. You can't flesh yeah. out a song properly if you're not there. No. and I mean, yeah, people send stuff over the internet, but it's not the same. It's, you know, you need to be in a room and just say, what's that? Capture that. Record that. That little vibe there. What are you playing there? You know, it, it, that, that's, that's worked so well on this last album, that, you know, getting together in the room. Oh, absolutely. You know, but I, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a fan of the band since the very beginning. And I heard about the reunion Thank in the you. 90s with the classic lineup and Sean back on vocals. I was thrilled. But at that time, I yeah. mean, the early 90s was a change in time for hard rock and heavy metal. The whole scene just kind of collapsed over those couple yeah. of years. Did it kind of affect the reunion yeah, yeah. of the band? 
Um, possibly a little bit. It's hard to. Uh, it's hard to uh, you know keep keep in fashion in a way. You know, you can easily become you know old news and there's so many new bands coming in all the time. Uh, but we just didn't last long enough, really. You know that lineup. Um, like you say, in, in the 90s, we only did, we did two little tours of the UK, uh, did anything in America, we didn't do anything in Europe. So we didn't really get out to the people. Uh, and then we went back in the studio to make an album. Uh, and that, that's it. Most of the time seemed to be spent writing and making the album that became uh, Death and Progress. And, and then, and then uh, we did a couple of gigs when it came out. And then the band stopped. Uh, so we didn't even give it the full promotion that, that you should. You know, this album's getting lots and lots of good promotion now. But uh, back then, uh, we, I don't know, we just couldn't keep the lineup together somehow. Uh, myself and Sean, even though we, we can write together really well, we seem to have a fabulous ability to write songs together. But... <laughs> When it comes out of that, and then you're into the business and and the touring, it it breaks down really. Yeah, is that the downfall you think of a lot of bands, or was that an issue with Diamond Head over the years? A lot of bands, you know, you think like the members just don't get along all the time. It is like personal issues, but it seems to be the business yeah. part of it that drives a lot of wedges in bands and it kind of breaks them up. Yeah, it could be. Uh, it could be. I, I mean, some bands probably stick together for the money. If the money's right, or if you just really enjoy touring, you can uh, you can just you know get off on that. You, you probably you hardly have to speak to each other because you can do it through crew and management and things like that. You just all get together on stage. But uh, um, you know, Diamond Head. You know, we all need to be in each other's in each other's pockets really because it's a much smaller operation you're in a van together you're in a uh, you know in the same uh you're on a plane you're on a ferry you need to you need to be able to get on uh we're not in the position where we're separate planes and separate hotels and things like that which does you know happen so we do all need to get on and fortunately this band all get gets on great and uh we we have a lot of fun. We had a lot of you know a lot of good times. So we we're enjoying we're enjoying touring. Yeah, you know, speaking as a fan, to me, Diamond Head's legacy in the music world is cemented in, in, in pure gold. But do you feel you still have something to prove as a musician and as as a member of the band? Um, sorry, can you repeat that? I was saying Diamond Head's legacy in, in the world of rock and roll is cemented in pure gold as far as I'm concerned. But do you feel you have anything okay. to prove still as a musician and as a member of the band? Oh, I see, yes. Yeah, I still want uh, more success, really. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, it just, I suppose it's going to see bands when I was younger and, they, you know, you'd, you'd sell out this venue and you'd play to 5,000 people. And I think that always becomes the dream. You know, you want your album to sell, you want to play to more people. Uh, you know, when we play a small place and there's not many people in, it's it's kind of a bit depressing, a bit, you know, I think we'll be going this long and this is this is the best we can do. But you kind of have to take the rough with the smooth. Sometimes you can be doing a, a big festival and there's, 
you know, a few thousand there, and others you can be playing somewhere small. So, but of course, I would love to, you know, every time we announced a gig, the gig sold out, and you, you know, you're playing to, to, to more people, and you're selling more records, you're getting more press. Obviously, I, you know, I try and protect the name Diamond Head. It's, it's it's always been my band. I formed it, and I try and look after it. And I just want it to survive, really, and, and get better and better. And I want I want the other people in the band to to enjoy it and and get the benefit. Sure. You know, 30 years ago, those were all valid things. You know, you want you're selling a lot of records. You know, selling out uh, uh, clubs and arenas when you play. But today, it just seems to be the opposite. It's not because the band, the, it's any fault of the band. It's just the world we live in. People getting music for free on the internet. They don't want to buy it anymore. Yeah. You go to see a show. It's on a Tuesday or Wednesday night early when people have to work. So, outside forces yeah. have made it harder. You know, for fans and the bands. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Uh, it, you know, you don't sell records like you used to. And, and I think, yeah, a lot of bands will rely on, uh, you know, money from live shows and merchandise to, to keep them on the road, uh, rather than it be a record company support uh, like it used to be and things like that. So you, you're probably doing a lot more yourself now. You're, you're keeping, uh, keeping things ticking over by working on... You know, me social media and and uh, you know more and more merchandise and and more and more ways you know with with uh, Kickstarter and pledge music and things like that to more and more ways to generate income so that the band can can keep going really and 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 pay wages and things like that and and you don't have to you know play to fifty people in a in a <laughs> a little club in on a Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> But you talk about playing. I mean, this year you guys are out almost a whole year. You have shows booked almost every month this year, and quite a few of them. It's a busy yeah. year for you for Diamond Head. It is. Last year was really busy as well. So uh, it just seems to be the way it is at the moment. I think that the, the album has has given us a uh, a bit of a buzz. Uh, the, the positive press we've been receiving and uh, we're still picking up on that we're still being offered some really good gigs uh, and very often if we get like a festival like we're doing this Rocklahoma show in uh, uh, on the 27th and and of course Robin just come over for that we thought right we'll put other dates around that. and and we built up you know seven or eight dates around that uh, to make it worth flying over for for um, for the for the dates uh, so yeah, it is. It, it gets it gets busier and busier as it goes on. Very often, a year can seem quiet, and you, we might have three, four dotted around, and then before you know it, it's built into forty, fifty, sixty gigs, uh, and it is, suddenly you're busy again. <laughs> That's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, Brian, was there ever a riff that you came up with years ago that you thought was the greatest riff in the world and you still have it around today because you haven't been able to put it into a song or use it? Um, no, I, I try and use, if, if I really like it, I will persevere with a riff until I can, you know, build something around it. A lot of songs will start with one riff uh, and then build and build. Um, but no, I, I always think the greatest riff of all time uh, uh, by other bands. I never think mine are the greatest, you know, Zeppelin, uh, Sabbath, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put mine 
on on a par with with, with uh, my favourite riffs. But uh, you know, just as probably somebody that likes Dan it would probably reciprocate that that thought. You know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But you always look to somebody else. You you know, you, there's always, in your mind, somebody better than you. <laughs> I understand that completely. What was the, I mean, what yeah. was the most difficult song that you had to work on to put together that wound up being probably one of the band's best songs or one of the most well-known songs by the band? Is there ever one, or do they all kind of come to you pretty easy? No, they don't come easy. I have to work on them. Uh, I, I always think Am I Evil, of course, which is our biggest song. That took for probably the longest. We worked on that for over a year. Uh, it just started with that riff, of my, you know, riff. Da, 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 da. Uh, and then it just grew and grew. We, we got the fast section. We worked out a, a big guitar solo. We put the intro on it, the outro. And it, it kind of would just be you know, thinking, and then you'd suddenly think, oh, I know what we could do. Why don't we put this there? Or, and you'd have a brainwave. And uh, we built that song from one riff, and it, it ended up being 7 minutes 40 seconds, and it, it's got time ch signature changes and key changes. and uh, it, it takes you on a real journey. It's got great dynamics, and it's very hard to write a song like that. I, I don't find it easy uh, so, uh, you know, we've been writing for this for the next album. We've, we started that in January, and we've already got some really good ideas. But, again, you have to put a lot of work in. I, I can re-record and, and de make demos and chop arrangements around, you know, time and time again until I, I feel it's as good as it could be. Yeah. Well, I, you said you were working on new music. Do you think we'll have an album in the next year or two, or you're gonna, is there going to be a bigger time yeah. gap between? Oh, definitely. No, definitely. We definitely plan to start recording it this year, uh, and then we'll just see, uh, with, the, with the amount of work that's coming in, whether we can complete it in time for 2017, or if it will end up going into next year. But we, we're working on it. You know, we haven't obviously done any proper recording. It's all still in the writing stage. But uh, we hope to start recording maybe July, something like that, maybe get the drums down or something. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Hey, Brian, I, I yeah. can't thank you enough for talking with me today, man. It's been a pleasure. And the last record was a killer one. I know the next one will be. Thank and you. Best of luck out on the road this year, and I'll see you when you guys get to my area. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Nice to speak to you. You too, Brian. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Cheers.
All right, T.T. Quick with Go For The Throat. I love that EP. Not a bad song on there. Same with the follow-up record to that. After that, I kind of lost a little bit for T.T. Quick. I wasn't crazy about the two records that followed that before they broke up, but a great band. And, you know, they get back together every now and then to do shows here and there, and it would be great to hear some new music by those guys. I don't think it'll ever happen, but you know what? Never say never in this business. It just might. All right, BMG is, uh, well, BMG, I believe, is owned by Sony Records these days. It's, it's hard to tell who owns Hulu, but uh, BMG pretty much owned everybody else underneath that. But they're re-releasing uh, a ton of records uh, from the Noise label, which they own. Uh, there's going to be re-releases of Creator's first four records, I believe. They're re-releasing the first four Celtic Frost records and also the first four Voivod records. Uh, Tom Warry was kind of, I don't know, it seemed like he was behind the re-release of the records in the beginning, uh, but now it looks like uh, they wanted to sense what he wanted. He was writing lining notes or something for the album package, and I guess uh, DMG wanted to kind of edit out what he was saying because they didn't want any problem with the noise label. I didn't really get the whole thing. I guess he was bad-mouthed against people from noise because always complained. That, I remember years when he was on the label, Celtic Frost, him complaining about the way the label was treating them, the way they wanted to alter their music and their songs, and blah, blah, blah. And the same shit that most artists complain about. And I guess he wanted to straighten out that record right now by writing stuff about the old label, people from the label. And I guess they kind of squashed that. So now he's completely against the re-releases, which he was kind of in favor of once before. But they've got to come out. So if you want to get them, there's going to be a CD and vinyl re-releases of uh, most of the Noise Records catalog. Well, right now it's Celtic Frost, Creator, and Voivod. Also, Wasp, uh, they're re-releasing uh, the Crimson Island. They're not just re-releasing it, but they're re-recording it. I don't know why they're doing that. It is a classic record, you know, uh, but no reason to re-record it. Maybe re-release it, you know, fix it up a little bit, you know, with all this modern technology we have, but don't re-record it. Haven't bands learned anything from the past? I don't recall any good albums that have ever come out that were re-released from the original versions. I know bands do it. Because some of them want to do because they want to get the rights to the music back, which they didn't have before. So that's why they re-record it. I think one of the better ones was Flots and the Jets when they re-recorded one of the earlier records. I uh, had a really good sound to it. But you can't recreate that vibe or that magic, no matter how bad some of the production was from back then. Because that's all we had was that analog technology. I mean, it, there's just a, a, an essence and a vibe to those records that you cannot recreate 20-something years later. One of the worst examples was the Exodus uh, re-recording of Bonded by Blood. And, you know, I, I can only say it because uh, Rob Dukes, I wasn't crazy about his tenure in Exodus. I just felt he didn't fit in, and the music kind of changed while he was with the group. Not his fault. You know, he, he had nothing to do with the, the writing of the music, but I didn't care for the re-recording of that record. And one of the worst ones, and they've done it a couple of times, was Man of War. Just horrible re-recordings of the record. Eric Adams, a great singer, amazing singer. But the range he has today is not the range he had back in the 80s. He still sings better than 95% of the... He doesn't have that range. He can't hit the notes like he did back then. And when they try to doctor it up in the studio, you can easily tell. Uh, plus the guitar work. I mean, Ross the Boss, he put his heart and soul into that record, especially the solos. It doesn't come through uh, with the guitar player in the band right now. But Wasp, they're going to re-record the record. They're putting out a new package with, I believe, a 50-minute documentary based on the original recording of the record, I'm guessing, or the story behind the album, I am not too sure, to be honest with you. But uh, let's go do some Voivod. Here's Warrior's Advice.
All right, that was Kim Six. I believe that was off the first demo, Tough and Tender. I want to thank our guests tonight, Lee Payne from Clovenhoof and Brian Tatler from Diamond Head. We got a great show for everybody next week. The last show of May. It's Memorial Day weekend here in the USA. Nice three-day weekend, plus my daughter graduates college next week, so I'm excited and looking forward to it. We got a great show for everybody next week. Rex Brown from Pantera is one of our guests. Peter Greggs, great guitar player who put a killer band together. We're going to play some stuff off his new record. And Joe Lawson from Scream King. So stick around. We're heading into June with another great bunch of guests coming up. We'll have that up on the website next week. But right now, how about we wrap up today's show with some tortured dog, Witch Hunter. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. And thanks for hanging out with me like always. I do appreciate it. Good night.
Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.